Hemshechayim Beis, Volume 1, page Kuf Samach, 160. It's in the middle of the Maimer B'yem Hashemini Atzeres, which I believe is Maimer 22. Yes. Page 160. So let's do a little summary here. And we'll continue on. As one of three interpretations in the word Sfira. Sfira is, of course, the word used in Kabbalah to describe the emanations, the divine emanations. We can call the divine tools through which God creates existence. So there's Esa spheres, ten spheres, which we've been discussing from the beginning of the Hamshikh of the discourse the idea of what these spheres are. And now he's going into an analysis of the actual meaning of the word sphere. To really understand it, there's three meanings in sphere. The three meanings are going to be discussed at length, almost ten chapters for each interpretation. We're in the middle of the first, beginning of the first one, which is Mlash and Mispar, number. There's going to be the next interpretation from the word Sipur, Dvarim, telling a story, relating a story, a narrative. And finally, the third and the highest is in Lashon Evan Sapir, like the sapphire stone that illuminates. And all this is following, working our way backwards, is coming to explain the question that's the presenting question in the beginning of chapter 83, is how can we say there are spheres, spheres, in Igulim, in the level of the transcendent energy? To say that there's actually Chakaseh, Chachma, Bina, and so on. Which, by definition, spheres means a definition. It means a distinction. Keser is not Chachma, Chachma is not Bina. Transcendent energy, as he's been emphasizing and discussing at length, is Lamailam is Chalkus, meaning it's higher than distinction. It's a hovering energy, it's a transcendent energy, however you translate it. But it's not an imminent one. Like say the fact, let's say in the marshal that he's giving the example of the faculties. So the eyes are not the ears. There's no question. The eyes are not the ears. We're not talking now that they have an interconnectivity and they work with each other. But they're not the same. That's the whole definition of structure is distinction. Whereas rotsen, in that example, which is the desire, whether it's desire to see or the desire to hear, or the desire to write or the desire to throw a stone or to walk or to eat or whatever it may be, or the deepest desires. Rotson does not have a particular distinct definition nor a distinct location. It is a uh, transcendent force. So how do we say that there's spheres there? Seemingly a contradiction. That's the question right at the beginning of chapter 83. <clears throat> so to say that there are levels in Makifim, meaning not that there are spheres, but that there are levels. There's a Makif of Atsilas, Abri, Yitzira, Siyah. Then there's a Makif Kloli of the whole picture, the whole cosmic order, Ak. And even a higher Mark of Kloli of Igul Hagadol, the great sphere that remains after the Tzimtzum. So there, he explained that earlier, as being because Makiv does have, at the end of the day, transcendent energy does have impact on Pnimi. So there's a Shaykh al Pnimi. It would be like saying that there are garments for different parts of the body. 
But the nature of the garment itself is not distinct. It's because it's having a relationship. So obviously, there are levels, as he said. It's a level of gilui, how much the makif has an impact. And he explained how revelation and transcendence doesn't really define distinction. I mean, the whole discussion earlier, which I'm not going to go through right now. Even in imminent energy, it's not the revelation that defines distinction. It's the fundamental difference between Chachma and Bina. So that was explained. But the question, the presenting question is, how do you say there are actual spheres in the Gulen? Literally using the same structure that you're using for imminence, you're using for a Gulen. Like there's two, it's a different track, but you are saying that there are spheres. So to explain that, he began by saying, in the last chapter, in 83, that in the we learned earlier, much earlier, there's also spheres. And he makes a very powerful line that I think is critical to the whole picture. He says, Every revelation has to come through spheres. Which means even the revelation that is beyond spheres, beyond structure, has to come through spheres. Which itself, one could ask a question, why? Why can't you say that there's revelations that don't come through spheres? I think I addressed it, but I'll just uh, touch upon it one more time, because... You know, if you if you say that if you don't say every gili comes through spheres, you could very simply say that the higher levels of giluim don't have spheres; they just are God's revelation. Even though He doesn't explain it specifically. Yeah, but why do you have to say bechal chol gili holiday spheres? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Clearly, spheres and gates. Yeah, so He says yeah, but but you still call it that. There's a level of ten hidden spheres. Then there's a level, and it's a fabligal share gamkin spheres. The should be considered spheres, right? But you still call them spheres. So he's saying every spheres have a gili. My, the, the, on, the, on the ostensible level, the reason for his saying it is, number one, that's the meaning of a sphere. A sphere means a divine revelation. So however you twist it, it is the meaning of, of, of all revelation comes through a sphere. Remember, spheres are not their own, God forbid, their own uh, reality. They're basically God's tools. It's Chachma of, of Elikus. It's Bina of Elikus. Not that God is bound by Chachma Bina, but He includes these powers. So as soon as you say God wants to reveal something, basically that's the word sphere. I mean, I, I'm, I'm assuming, and I'm, I'm not just assuming, I'm sure that later that's going to be the higher interpretation of spheres, spheres, sapir, that's focusing on the revelation part of spheres. So what he's really adding here, this whole section starting from chapter 83, is that Sfira is more than just the structure of existence. Sfira is the revelation of the divine. The reason I'm I'm emphasizing is because if you really read closely, this can seemingly not contradict, but if you recall the whole discussion up up till here, if you remember the whole structure of of Ayin Beis till this chapter, where we are, is he began with Keser, transcendent energy. He went into... Uh, the 50-some chapters on imminent energy, Eripnimi, and discussing Eripnimi in detail, how every level is, is structured and the difference between my lamata and the hierarchy. And that's not just in the kalim. It's not just on the container level. It's also on the energy level. Air level is also spheres. Then he went back to exp- and, and, and how it's rooted in the he- 10 hidden spheres, a, length, a, a lengthy discussion on that, on the 10 hidden spheres, even though they're not spheres up there, but there is the desire for that. How God shir asme bekeach, how He envisions and He allocates and estimates those ten, the, the, the ten, like the artist, 
that has the infinite possibilities and, and determines to have one, one, ten, the, the one possibility, which are the ten spheres. Then he went back to transcendent energy. If you recall, he gave the two the key examples, was I just mentioned, Rotson and Kaychis, the desire and faculties. That's the difference between Makif and Primi. And then he went to Eir and Shefa. So if you remember, he said that the difference between the two is that when it comes to the spheres, this whole purpose of the spheres is the Tzedek Elmas. It's for the world. Whereas the Gili of Makif is not for the world. It's just to reveal the source. So if you read that closely, it seemingly contradicts you. You could say, one second, if that's the case, there he said clearly, I was just looking it up back there in those chapters where he talks about this. He said clearly that, that, that there would be no spheres, there were no worlds. I was basically saying that that's spheres, but the level higher than spheres could exist without worlds. And then he comes back and says, but the, the whole purpose of Makiv is also because of the worlds. So this is going to be a recurrent theme that's going to be addressed, especially in the second half of the Hemshech here, after Shavuos, Ayin Gimel. He's going to go back to it. Because at the end of the day, even the highest level of Eireh and Sof, God doesn't need it. Everything is for the existence. Because in the Sava Kaddish Baruch because God had desire to create the world, that's why... Yeah, I'm talking about I'm, I'm, what I was just referring to is chapters 46 and 47, where he's making the real distinction between transcendent and imminent. So if you remember, he said that, especially here, chapter um, top of cha- uh, chapter 48 and top of page 84. So he said, the govern. We spoke about a color. A color of an object is not for the purpose of affecting those that look at it, it's just a revelation of the thing itself. The Anyway, I'm not going to go to the Shemesh, but the bottom line is, we're look at the bottom of the page before, because why else would the artist, the cosmic artist, envision a particular structure for this and for existence? What about, so, but what about all those infinite possibilities to create? Different types of art, isn't that, so? The, here, from there, it appears. No, that has nothing to do with existence. That has to do. The artist happens to have all possibilities. Once he's determining that he wants to have one type of image, one type of piece of art, that's for the world. But if you really read it closer, when you go, th- when you deep read it deeper, as he went on, he said that. Remember that even that makif is also the tzedek. Remember, an artist. This is where the marshal does not work. In an artist. Two things. First of all, he's at the end of the day, he's a human being. So he's more bound to his being an artist than God is bound to being an artist. God does not need it all together. It's not even his shlemu, so to speak. It's not even his virtue. He just wants it. The second thing, on the other hand, is the other way around. By an artist, it's true. If he does not want to create art for others' benefit, he's going to have infinite possibilities within him, which he'll die with, and no one will ever know what he was able to do. So, so the the fact is that those all those possibilities are not really for anyone else until he decides I want to create one piece of art. He might also be frustrated because not, not bring his talents to fruition. Okay, yeah, yeah, but that's like yeah, that's another story. That's a, a side point. But when it comes to Elokus, Atzmos, Atzmos doesn't need the whole thing. So it's not the the whole reason that God has possibilities to do art is, is a nice statement. He has all these possibilities. But the bottom line is, once they begin to manifest, even the highest levels of infinite possibilities, at the end of the day, is also because of existence. 
or else you wouldn't need. But there's a major distinction. One is just a reflection of God's expression. And the other is actually necessary for the world. So at the end of the day, even the reflection of God's essence, remember as we spoke in the interface, is also going to be needed for the interface, because God wants us to have a feel, a taste of Him. A taste of Him on His terms. If you want God in God's terms, you really want to know how it is in the infinite possibilities. That's, that's uh, Makifim? Yeah, that's the root of Makifim. Yeah. And the root of Primim. So the truth is we have a relationship with God on both ends. We have a relationship with God as the artist, as He manifests in ten spheres, like we spoke. When you look at nature, you get an understanding of God's chokhmah, God's bina, and so on. But then you want to have a relationship with God beyond that. That is how God is just reflecting himself in the spheres as they are just a gili. But that's also spheres. That's the point he makes here. Which, in other words, really creates a common denominator even between these two different elements. Really, at the end of the day... You're really answering why they exist. Why they exist. Why they yeah, in a way, yeah, yeah, I am. Because he's definitely going there. I, I tell you, because... Yeah, he can't ignore it because it's, he's been building the case, so it's like it's almost like obvious that's what he wants to say. Now, the explanation of it comes in all these following well, chapters. Yeah. Right, right, right. So, right. and there he spoke that. So then, what's going on? The spheres are in a form of bligvul. In other words, you have here an interesting state of being. You have the artist, before he's determined ten spheres, but he has infinite amount, but it's also art, so to speak. It's just infinite possibilities. So he says, the Machad Apshidus is Sibis Asfiris, and Ketz He says, Antu Chad So the spheres themselves, I'm reading the top of page Kufnun Tes, are in a form of Pshitus. Here too, the same question. Spheres are structure. How could you call them? Simple, beyond sub, is substanceless or shapeless. It's exactly the same point. So we see here, as I as I discussed at length when we reviewed this chapter, that here you have, <coughs> in the source of Er Makif, you also see the idea of spheres. So it's going to be obvious that we could also answer the same thing in Makifim, how this spheres. That's what he's beginning to explain here. Obviously, it's still in the form of a question. And that's when he goes and says, to understand this, we have to understand what is the meaning of a sphere. So if a meaning of a sphere would be pure structure, we're going to have a problem. Obviously, if a meaning of a sphere has much more depth to it, that there's more elements to it than just pure structure. In other words, if you call the sphere, of, let's say, the color red or the color blue, like in the artist's palette, then, you know, you have spheres when it comes to that state. You can't say there's red and blue in his infinite possibilities. There's infinite possibilities, there's no red and blue. But if a sphere, which is a divine entity, not just a uh, physical uh, tool, is a divine force, so even the red and blue of the sphere has within the deeper levels, which we're going to understand, then, then you can explain how spheres exist, even on a higher, more subtle place where there's not yet structure. That's basically the setting the stage for that. But this is, now we're talking now many chapters, as we said. We're talking now at least 20, 40 chapters. And, and, each, and it's like the nine chapters, I believe, are for dedicated to the first explanation, misper, number, then sipur, and then sapir. Okay, now, to sum up chapter 83 before we go on, and I'm going to say some things I haven't said before because I reviewed it several times. 
there are different ways we can define structure of existence. You know, when you say structure, what does it mean? And I think to really appreciate what he's going to be discussing on the next nine chapters about Misper, it's understand number, the word number, even from a mathematical point of view, is in one word defines the distinction of existence. So number here should not be confused with just like, okay, we're counting the oranges, so one to ten or whatever, or a thousand. Number is the definition of structure. That's critical point here. So the element of number. Now, if you remember, just to compare it, he spoke when he spoke about mylomata before, about hierarchy. So there too is a very clear, went through it, dissected it. It's, that it's about the basic amount of revelation each sphere has. Then he went that each sphere has its own unique distinction, not just revelation. Now with Be'etz and Mohusam, they're different. Not just uh, in how much energy. Bina is not just diminished Chachma, in other words. So spheres are structure. We're talking now. Now, the, but the, here the focus is on the word number. So I think to understand completely where we're going here, because it could be a little abstract if you don't really ground it, is that there's several elements to this word number. And let's start from the top. Where did numbers begin? So when we talk from the bottom up, a mathematician or a scientist or us, you know, we see a world of distinction, we see a world of numbers, and we begin to extrapolate and imagine a world beyond numbers. But if you go from the top down, Remember, the numbers never existed. The whole idea of structure and numbers, there's no <coughs> distinctions. You talk about atmos, ein eid milvadei, shem achod. So we know achod doesn't mean one and not two. It's, it's, it's ultimate oneness. There's, no, there's not even a possibility of two. It's not rishon. It's not the first of many. It's a fundamental oneness. So the question is, where does number come from? So I think that the first point that's critical to make, number comes from because the, the infinite God, God, well, let's put this in, I should re- rephrase, Atmos, which is beyond infinite and finite, manifests in Eir, which is an expression, that Eir Habligvul, as he says, Shir Atmei Bikeach Lahoyer Bigvul. That's the words. The infinite energy envisioned or allocated or uh, estimated, the different words we've used, to manifest in a number. And that number is ten. That's essentially the ten hidden spheres. That's where Olabir desired that from all the infinite possibilities. And remember, God is beyond infinite too. But we're talking about even in the infinite possibilities, there should be a number. So if you really ask the question, where do numbers originate from? There's nothing else but God. It has to come from God's power to create finite. To use the words of David just like is the power for infinite, is the power for finite. What we call the finite here is the finite energies, not just finite kalim. The energy itself is a form of ten spheres, very amorphous. It's not yet shaped. It's only God's willing it. But if you go to the most subtle, it's very subtle. But if you go to the root, where did ten, ten come from? It's very clearly been established. But that is the root of ten of the number. That's where numbers are rooted. The question is, how do they manifest? How do numbers, which are now only a possibility within the divine, infinite possibilities, how do they actually 
become distinct entities that we here on earth only experience exclusively. And it's the bleed misper that becomes elusive. So, so here's the process, a long process. And God wants it to be a logical system. And this is, I think, extremely eloquent process that he explains of how actually numbers come to be. So in other words, the fascinating, uh, the, the, the fascinating point here is that there's two aspects. There's rooted, which rooted in Atmos's ability, or the alien self to, to, to manifest in a finite way. But then there's a process that God wants us also to appreciate and to be able to retrace um, the steps. That's the challenge. So this, we all know, the first problem is this. This set of numbers, even though it's in God's possibility, is completely now only part of all the infinite possibilities. So yes, from Atma's point of view, from God's point of view, it's there in some way. He wants it. But from our point of view, there's no way to access it. We mean ours. There's no us yet. But for, for to be an independent reality like ours, so comes step one, or well, all the steps that he discussed, obviously, is just the symptom. So the symptom conceals all the infinite possibilities and only allows these ten to emerge through the kav, which then, as we know, is still in a very powerful uh, light. It's still a powerful energy. And it has to go through its stages until it becomes eras that can go into kalim. Because remember... Their first ten, their first not even ten. They're akudim. They're ten air, ten energies in one keli. Until they finally manifest in atzilus. But atzilus is still alukus, is still divine. So the question is, how does it become numbers that are have substance? Yes, and that's what he begins the discussing in chapter eighty-three, and that continues in eighty-four that we're going to learn. So what does he say in eighty-three? He says like this. He brings the pardes. The Padre says, Number is Bali Agvul, as I just explained. It's, it's, it's a defined structure. And even though the spheres are not, Bali, are not finite entities, but in relation to their root, to their simple, to their substanceless poshut, to their simple meaning... Um, Shapeless root, the Balgvul, and Be'erach Pulosim Elenu, and in relation to their effect on us. So he explained that there's how Mispur is in Bia, in Bria, and there's how Mispur is in Atsilis, basically. That was essentially what he explained. So he said like this. I'm just summing it up because really you can't really continue without going there. Because that's now going to be a distinction. He's going to really discuss the evolution of how numbers come into becoming substance. Again, remember, the root of it comes from God's ability, Shirat's made to have, want to have numbers. But we're talking about how do they actually manifest in distinct numbers. So he says like this. I'm, just going to, I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm just going to go through quickly certain key lines. Because then we'll have the flow also for myself. She says, so, The first thing he says that Mispur does not um, create anything new, it's just revealing something that's there. <coughs> so that would be what, what, what does that Silas do? 
Atzilus reveals that number that God envisioned the ten hidden spheres. There, they're not revealed. Because there, it's just God desired it. And it's completely, so to speak, encompassed or swallowed up, engulfed within all the infinite possibilities. What does Atzilus do? It reveals it. So it reveals like a number. It tells you what that number is. So in essence, it's really not so much focus on the distinction of the numbers, it's just the revelation that there is such a thing called number. Okay? That makes sense? In other words, let's put it this way. The, the artist who has that infinite possibilities has chosen one possibility, but no one knows it. How do we know that this possibility exists? Atsilas is giving us that information. Atsilas tells us it's ten spheres. These are, this is what God envisioned. So now there's another side, but, that, 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 but then there's another side to number, and that is its actual distinction. This all you gave me was that God wants to have ten spheres. Okay, so now we know that. So that has now been manifest. That's what Atzilus is about. But then as he calls it, there's the Hagbola of the Misper. There's Hagbola of the Misper. There's another side to number that's not just God's wanting to have a particular structure. There's the actual substance of that structure. That is possible only in Biyah. So I have to repeat this again because this is a very uh, subtle and very abstract concept here. He's talking about number, the concept of a number, and he's talking about the substance of a number. As I said, from below up, the whole thing sounds a little weird. Because from the bottom up, very simple, everything has a number. What are you talking about? There's ten objects, there's a million objects, everything is numbers. Seven days in the week, so many hours in, an, in, in, a, in a, so many hours in the day, so many uh, minutes in an hour. Everything is numbers. People are numbers. How far you travel. Time, space. Everything is about numbers. Here, he's distinguishing and splitting and saying, no, there's the number part that's revealing the idea of a number, concept of a number, and then there's the substance part of the number, the hagbola of the number. That's the key thing that he's distinguishing here. Because remember, we're talking from the top down, there's a place where there's no numbers. So a number itself is a chiddush. That's the distinction here. So that's what he says. He says like this. So, the Agbola, how does the Shaykh Rakba Biyash, Shamuin Agbola Mamish? The Agbola, when you talk about the actual, the defined the, the, the state, the finite state of it, meaning its structure distinction from another thing, not just its conceptual idea that there's a number, that's in Biyash. And this, so the, the difference is that Natsilus, what you're talking about, you're talking about only the revelation of the distinction of 10 and not 11 and not 9. And in Biyah, you're talking about actually assuming a, substanti- a substance that makes it very distinguished from another thing. So one is basically, you could say, is the concept of a number, and the other is an actual manifestation of the number. Does that make sense? Okay.
Well, that's why he says from the Padis, it's only relative to its source. Um, no, not really, because because when you talk in the ten hidden spheres before the symptom, like he says. He says, remember, he says at the end of the chapter, the second half, Yes, yeah. yeah. Because, look, the ten hidden spheres, you basically, as we spoke, it's before the symptom. So you're talking about everything is in God's potential there. At the end of the day, that's all God's ability. That's all it is. You can't speak about it in any way. You can't even call it a concept of a number. You can't call it anything. All you can call it is God's wanting to have it. And that that is that basically telling us that the structure of the spheres that will later emerge are rooted there. That's all you can say. It's after the symptom where things begin to. Yes. Yeah, so relatively speaking, everything after the symptom is substance compared to before the symptom. But but after the symptom itself, atzilus you can't call substance yet. You can't call yesh because all it is 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 still a divine force. It's a divine force, but now it's a divine force that has taken. Remember when you say tziur adam elyon. That God said, let's create the human being in, in the divine image. That divine image you can't talk about before the tzimtzum. You can talk about the root of it before the tzimtzum. But as, as, as when we speak about divine image, you're talking about already Atsilis. So Atsilis is an image. We're not discussing It's not. It's ten spheres. But for all practical purposes, it is relative to Biyah. It's like before the tzimtzum, if you want to put it that way. Remember, we said Atsilis, the Klolos, is before the tzimtzum. So in a macrocosm, it's always that way. So relatively speaking, again, remember we spoke about all the levels. It's hard to, for us, if you're going to start speaking, you have to really speak from Asir Ruchnis. You know, keep going back to that. Because it's about understanding the abstraction after abstraction after abstraction. So let's just not go to all the levels. Let's just talk about it on the level that we're talking about here. Basically, before the symptom, Atsilus and Biyah. That's all we need to know for right now. In Biyah, we have the substance of numbers. In Atsilis is the concept, but distinguished. It's an image. It's definitely an image. And in Lefnei uh, Tzimtzum, in, it's just God's wanting it, or God's desire. If you remember, there's the examples that he gave about, remember the, the seal. There's the chesim, the seal of the seal. So think of it that way. It's an image of an image of an image. That's really what it comes down to. So of course it's all rooted in the Fniat Simpson. The challenge we have is how do we distinguish it in our Aveda? Remember I said it's not just a matter of Ascola here. You could come up with all kinds of Ascola concepts. You could talk about, let's say, how many stages can you take a child and go back, let's, let's work back, our way backwards. Here we're adults. Once we were uh, a fetus in a mother's womb. Before that it was a seed. And then there's all the stages of pregnancy. So you can take the same entity and retrace steps and see how it keeps on going back and back more and more subtle. The further back you go, the less distinctions there are, even though it's the root of it all. Now obviously that's a Gashmizdik example. You know, purely a seed into a tree. Or a seed into, an, uh, into a life. 
But imagine then you take the seed and extrapolate that into the concept of the seed. You know, the Ruchan is the spiritual concept of the seed. And then you go to how it's envisioned in God. So you see, as, as, as we, we can't even figure out what a brain is like the first second that, that a child is conceived. What is the, where does the brain come from? It's not created later. It's all there as soon as an egg is fertilized. So I'm trying to just explain that even in a physical, scientific level, it's quite hard to understand. Let's, let's just take, let's, let's go another example. Subatomic particles. We know that every element, we know that every object in existence is made up of elements, which is made up of molecules, which is made up of atoms, which is made up of subatomic particles. Who knows how far it goes? Right there, someone will say to you, explain to me the difference between a subatomic particle and a molecule. Our explanation is going to be a very physical one. We'll say a molecule is like a bunch of atoms. And then an atom is a bunch of subatomic particles. And what about subatomic particles? They're a bunch of sub-subatomic particles. So if you think about it, it's just a bunch of bunches. You know, it's, a, it, it's just a bunch of clusters. It's not correct. Because the more subtle you go, it's a different state of being. Like a table, yes, I can chop up this table into pieces. And you have a table that's made out of wood. Now it's broken into ten pieces. Or take pieces and turn them into one composite. I'm just, you know, talking the world of, I'm talking now numbers now. But if you go now into molecules, I can't, it's not so easy to chop up molecules. So yes, a scientist, or with certain type of, you, or you heat something, you heat water, you're, you're shaking up its molecules, and it turns into a gas. You freeze water, it turns into ice. I'm trying to point out is here that you have the same entity, made up of structure, and even on a very physical level, you have many, many levels, how one thing emerges, how one thing evolves into the next level. You know? How does our food become part of our energy? You take food, you put it in your mouth, a piece of garbage or whatever it is, gross, crass piece of material food. You chew it up, it goes into your digestive system, and then things happen. The acids break it down, the juices, whatever. And then you eliminate the waste. For some way, this food turns into blood. It feeds the blood, it breaks down into the bloodstream, and it gives you energy. And we know this is a fact. You don't eat, you're not going to have energy. How does this work? We don't know. I mean, I, I, obviously there's plenty of books that talk about how it works. But here, here you have the same thing suddenly turned into a thing called subtle thing called blood. Someone would look at blood. The child says, tell me, how does, how does food become blood? What are you talking about? The food, the food doesn't even have any blood. We're not, we're not talking about, you're not even allowed to eat blood. But take a piece of bread. Bread has no blood. You're not talking about an animal. My point that I'm trying to say is that we have full of examples. It's hard for us because we're very, very, uh, we are extremely limited creatures. We think, I see this, that's all I see. I see bread, that's it. We know, and we don't need any proof. I mean, it's, 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 the proof is in the pudding that the bread break, breaks down into, into a chemical, into uh, not just blood, but other vitamins and minerals and so on that actually help people. And that's, that's not a question, it's not a matter of faith. So someone say, how does this state and that state? In a very a very similar way, Chassidus does. Tries to, you know, everything I'm talking about is purely scientific of how we function. But if you were talking about having a relationship with God, you're talking about the same thing, traveling backwards from how a, a substantial a existence that's, that's defined by distinctions and by numbers, how did it become this distinct entity that it is? 
So if you really think about it, you need a lot more levels than just Atsilas and Biyah. It's hundreds of levels. It's, it's infinite amount of levels. But generally, the way we break it down is Lifnei Atzimtzum is the way it's in God's plan or envisioning it. You want to put it that way. There's after the Tzimtzum is where it becomes some type of independent reality begins to be possibly emerge. But that doesn't also happen in a second. Think of it like a gestation process. It's a seed. And then in Atsilus, you have a full-blown ten spheres. But it's Atsilus, it's Alakus. Atsilus itself does not, it's not a world like ours. No world. But Atsilus is a critical interface because it is a place that represents a, the way the divine wants this existence to be. It's a world. But it's a world called Atsilus. Now we can go on, okay, we can spend our whole uh, uh, lives just understanding Atsilus. It's a world, you mean a world of consciousness. I don't mean a world as a planet. I mean a world as a, as, as, as a yes, as a state of being. You say, uh, um, for example, before the Simpsons you can't say there are any worlds. There's no, you know, world simply means a state of being. That's all it really means. It doesn't say what kind of state of being. When you say, Nasa Odin Bitalmenu. We say this world, we mean a state of physical being. We say, Well, it depends what you mean by physical. The word physical is defined as yesh. As substance, that's that's the difference. If you ask the difference between Biyah and Atsilas, the key difference is Biyah is he's he, earlier he spoke about it at length. Atsilas knows nothing but God. Let's start with that. In Biyah, there's already something that's not God. <coughs> there's the sense of self. If you talk about Naveda, Atsilas is when a person is completely on his only godliness. He's completely servant of God. I'm recover. The Ovis, I'm recover. Shamus of Atsilus. There's nothing outside of God's will. But they are an entity. Oh, the mission before Eitzadas was Atsilus, right? Maybe even higher. But you could say that we don't even go there. You could say the Ovis. Well, once Eitzadas was introduced, it became Biyah, it became the, the Shariah There's a part of it. There's part of it. Yeah, but you have the Ovis. It says, Hei Nehemakava. Nesham of Atsilus on this earth, all it's doing is fulfilling God's will. There's nothing else going on. We, we're, we're, the, we're the opposite. We are into ourselves, and once in a while we make a little room for God. I mean, it's just with semantics. What do you mean by the world Atsilas? Maybe it's Ak. I mean. It's still flawed. What do you mean by flawed? Had he not eaten from Eitzadas, he would have, where would have been the flaw. He would have lived forever. So, so that fine. So that's a technicality. What are you asking? Adam Arishan is like Adam Elian. Yeah, but that's not relevant here. That's a separate discussion altogether. Adam Elyon is the Tzalem Elikim in a manifest reality. That's the bottom line. You're asking how existence is. You want to know what I told you. It's going to take a work, a lot of Aveda. I have to think about it. You're asking how this reality is an Atsilis. That's If you're in a Shama of Atsilis, you wouldn't have this question. Um, uh, if you're not, you have to meditate on it. What can I tell you? It's basically taking existence, chachma bina das, chesed chachma bina chesed gvura, and thinking what is the perfect form of chesed, what is the perfect form of gvura. If you were exactly aligned with the God's will, what would you be like? A human being. I'm not talking about becoming a malach, an angel, or becoming not human. I'm not talking about superhuman. The human being, if you were exactly aligned the way God wants you to be 24-7. Yeah, that's Atsilus. 
Well, technically, you asked me a technical question. Yes, you could say they were like that. They were God created them. This is God Himself created them. You ask me physically. Look, the fact is that they had a Yitzhahara, clearly. But that's a separate discussion. We're talking now that Selim God took a human being, I will create the human being in my image. What does that mean? That's a perfect uh, entity. Is there such a human being as perfect in this world? No, because we're, we're now in the Eilam Hazah. We're not talking about Natsilis. Natsilis is perfect. It confuses me in a way because you're saying Natsilis could be physical too. You're saying other Mishra could be Natsilis. You have Nishamas of Natsilis. Moshe Rabbeinu says in Kutatera, when he spoke to Pare, right. it was like Natsilis speaking to Asiyah. There's a Shama Vatsilis speaking in, in this physical world. Because God sends in the Shama Vatsilis. Now he started going to Ein Tzadik Ba'aretz Asher Asad Nasser Tevela Yechta and that, uh, that, uh, that before Mashiach comes, everybody is affected, even the greatest tzaddik. But that's a whole other, it says, the Dal of Mesa be Itra shall not Just the fact that it could be that, that you could say Atzilis could be physical. I don't know, the word Atzilis could be physical is your words. I never said such a word. I said, Neshama Atzilis can be in this Ilmaza. Explain however you want to explain that. Atzilis is not a planet in outer space. Atzilis is a force right here in reality. Remember, how do you define space? You're looking at Atzillus is out there and Elam Hazar is here. Atzillus is right here. What do you mean? But you see, because you could definition, because this goes back to the problem. We define reality based on our limited terms. We think this is reality. We think time and space is reality. Who says time and space is reality? Time and space is just our experience of a, of the tip of the iceberg of reality. That's the way you can, the only way you can define it. So you want to fit. You ask, that's why you asked the question. Was that silly? It's like where neshamas go to after we die. So they don't go anywhere. That's why it's so healthy to learn about quantum because as you realize even, even through science and inductive process and seeing things, there's another dimension. I mean, but before we get into idol worship with quantum, my question is what would... It's a healthy ha- exercise. I mean, no, no. So How do Chassidim understand the Chassidim without quantum? Right. Quantum is only uh, last century. Certainly they understood they were a much higher generation. No, because the same people, because the same ideas of quantum existed before it was called quantum. That's what I'm trying to say. These ideas are not created by scientists in the last hundred years. They understood the ideas of how things are rooted in their source, what we call today quantum. So, I would say quantum mechanics, the quantum scientists can learn more from Chassidus than Chassidus can learn from quantum. That's my point. 100% but as Western thinking guys I understand, I understand. I got it, I understand. The point is, it's, it's, uh, the, the challenge of all these, especially now, this is going far deeper, the, the concept of number, the, the, the gashmis of numbers. That's why I gave the whole preface that number means structure. The question is, where does structure come from? That's really what the, the, the issue that is being addressed right now. So number is just, you can replace the word number for structure. So he basically broke it into two things. Actually, three things I was saying. One is how it's rooted in its source. God wanted ten, not nine, not eleven, not infinite. That is ten hidden spheres. After the tzimtzum, that goes through a process. And finally, Natsilis is where it comes to a balance with his Eidus and Caleb. If you go, for example, Akudim is also after the Tzimtzum. But Akudim is ten energies in one container. Think of it like a seed. Atzillus is no longer a seed. It's a full-blown tree. But it's a tree that's just aligned exactly the way the artist wants it. That's it. Yeah. 
It's Adam Elyon. Chachma is. As a matter of fact, he went on to explain, if you remember, that Natsilis, it's actually Bligvul. Chesed is Bligvul. Gvur is Bligvul. It's only its effect outside of Natsilis is where the real Gvul manifests. So, you have, so basically, it's really three levels here. One is how the artist envisions 10, but that's hidden. Atzilus' Gilead Helen reveals this number 10, this number. He goes further, Yeshlemer even more, that even the structure of the 10 is also, is also um, in Atzilus. But that is only revealing the essential structure of it. Yeah, I'm just looking here. Look, if you look, I'm, I'm reading the bottom of page Kufnun Tess before we continue on. And this is what the Pardes Shashel in Hagbala Besos Vizatzil Satzil she cannot call defined in the way you would call defined in the world of substance. That's what he says. I'm reading it from the bottom, the three lines from the bottom. Vizel Shashel Babas in Hagbala Besos Vizatzil, the Kshema de Shams, the Shams Fidulashin Mispet had Rushel in Hagbala Bem. He says, Shashel Hagbala. How could he say that? He's calling it number, he's calling it Sphira, and there's no Hagbala. I don't know what that means. What means Mispa is not infinite. That's not what he's saying. That's not what he's saying. No. Because when we say that it has any type of definition, it's only compared to its root. Because if you really define number, not the concept of number, real number is a substance thing. Something is number one. This is one, not two. That does not exist in Atzillus. Atzillus is only the revelation of the idea of a number. But this is Chochmah and Lazbina. Yeah, right. correct. It is a different thing. It's not like Atzillus. It's not like the essence here. So, uh, uh, you know, so yeah, I mean, there's a lot. I just don't get this whole thing of different between concept and... and so let's continue. I'm re- so let's read, continue. V'agbolos ha-misper b'atzillus e'en ha-gbolamamesh v'ain ha-gbolos sh'abchinus hizgalos levat. So I explained that there's two definition, two elements of Hagbola. That's what I've been explaining. One is, well, actually it's three. One is that Atmos is beyond infinite and beyond finite, right? Then in the infinite possibilities of Ere and Sof, what he calls Sfiris Enkets, infinite possibilities, he desired, or what he says, Shir Atzme Bekeach, he envisioned ten. So that's where you have the first element of a number. Now, how would we define number there? You wouldn't call it a number. You're just calling it one of one of many infinite of, of infinite possibilities. It's still in so-called in the Godhead, in the God's desire. It's just like think of the artist. He's envisioning one piece of art. So when it will become a piece of art, actually, you'll be able to trace it to that root. But right now, all it is is a part of Blig Vol still. It's still another piece of bligvul. It's another piece of infinity, which has one, which is chosen and desired. One, one. If God, if, if there's not, if everything stopped right there, you wouldn't have existence. There's no tzimtzum. 
There's no Eidus going through stages. There's no Kalim. There's definitely no Yesh. So I'm just trying to explain that if you're talking about the process, let's dissect the process from Hashem Echad. And Atzma is beyond everything. So we know that Atzma is built in Metzius Nimtza. We're not even discussing right now. That has become a Metzius Nimtza. So we have now an existential reality called Eden Sof. Eden Sof is essentially you can call it the Chelis or lower than Yechelis, however you want to call it. Okay, it's higher than Batsan even. It's not even a desire yet. This Eden Sof, infinite energy, ultimately becomes a desire for existence. That desire then turns into infinite possibilities, and then finally ten esospheres agnosis. You stop right there, nothing is going to happen. It's all now. Why you could say why we need it then? Because I said it's all about retracing the steps and reconnecting, because God wants us to connect to Him through all these levels. The fact is, one thing is for sure, that God wanted a structured existence. You don't need to be. You don't need to see this for that. You look at the world. You see God wanted a structured existence. The question is, how does this structure connect to a thing that's beyond structure? So the answer is that thing beyond structure first wanted a structure. On that level, it's completely amorphous. You know, we learned that spheres like news that you can't even call them really ten spheres. We just use a word. It's a word that later will become something. At that point, it's it's all part of the pshittus. It's all part of the... It's it's one and exactly the same thing as Eid HaBligvul. If you were able to enter there, all you'd see is infinity. You wouldn't even be able to recognize ten spheres. God knows that's what he wants, so it's there. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. The tzimtzum changes everything. Because what the tzimtzum does is conceals things. You see, and up to that point, it's just... What does it say in Eitz Chaim? It fills it all. But despite all the levels that are possible in there. But think of it as like one big sea. Where the sea has all kinds of possibilities. You have to remove the sea, so to speak. Not remove, conceal. The power, the consciousness of the sea. Or you have to remove the consciousness of that divine, uh, overwhelming presence before the tzimtzum. So now, you have a cholol. It's so-called darkness. Then a kav comes in. So there's been silence now. It's all been silenced. Remember, from God's point of view, nothing has changed. He still has all the possibilities. For him, silence and speaking, or light and darkness, doesn't matter. But from our point of view, it's a, major, it's a difference in life and death, so to speak. It's a difference in everything. So now, the student, think of the teacher has now concealed the flow. Still the same teacher. The student now, the Kav begins to emerge, like he says here at the bottom of this page. The Kav carries within it the power of the ten hidden spheres. That's what directs it. So what is the Kav doing that the spheres are not doing? The Kav is able to now distinguish ten spheres. But it's still pshittis, it's still relatively very, very powerful energy is still there. Then it goes through gradations. Motsim Until they're ready to enter into ten kalim of Atsilas. Now, Atzilus, the Protus we're talking, the microcosmic Atzilus. Atzilus now is basically the revelation of what the ten spheres want, wanted, ten hidden spheres wanted. That's what he's saying. So he says, so there's Agbola, there's actually Chachman Bina. But in Agbola Mamish, it's only the revelation, it's only Agbola compared to the ten hidden spheres, you can call it Agbola. You still say no number. 
you say number and no number at once. That's the thing. You do say number because yeah, yeah. He says number and no number. He say, no, you don't say you say no number. You say a number that is beyond number. One second. He says like this. He says Hainu Hagbolosh Abchinis is Galus Levad. So in other words, there's Hagbolo that's not just his Galus Levad. There's a definition that is only about revelation. Its definition is that it's revealed the definition that was hidden. That's its, that's its so-called Hagbolo. Its definition. But because really, because real Hagbalah, real definition, real distinction is only in Bia. Now, to explain this, I give different examples. I can give a few more. And you can think of it yourself. Try to figure out different examples. Don't, it's getting more complicated the next chapter. So trust me, this is going to get worse, not harder, before it gets easier. Um, uh, I would say like this. Now, so here he goes on. And then he continues the path that says, V'chein be'erech pu'losem elenu. Lagbola, right. And also it's an effect toss. But before we get to that, the, the basically, that's why I was saying, I was using the word, the concept of number, and the, the what's called, the... Uh, substance. The substance of number. In other words, um, when we look from the bottom up, you can count everything. Everything is countable in this world. Everything's measurable. I'm talking about empirically, with our eyes and so on. You measure things. But then there's the actual concept of how, is there, how did a number come into play altogether. That's how I would explain the difference between Atsilas and Biyah. Biyah is where you're actually counting objects. You're actually counting objects. And, 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 and Atsilas is the idea that there's a number... Concept of it yeah, right, right. I'm just trying to think for a second. Let me just think of it. It's, it's not a perfect example, but it could help a bit. I mentioned it before. I'll say it again. When when a child is conceived, or the seed of a tree, even under a microscope, you won't, you're not going to see all the distinctions that are later going to emerge. No way. 75 trillion cells. We know the cells begin to split. The first, what's reproduction? The first thing of conception is you have an egg is fertilized by sperm, by the seed. Then it splits. And then it starts splitting again and again and again. In that first split, you only have one. Or two. If you talk about number, huh? And everything is there. And everything is there. It has to say everything is there because it doesn't come from somewhere else. And then it becomes two, three, four. Then it suddenly becomes, what is it? It becomes 75 trillion cells. Trillion. And what are 55,000 chromosomes? I don't know the numbers. That's higher than the national debt. Yeah, it's the only thing that's higher <laughs> so far. Right. Now, so so here, so so wh- that's why you have to think in abstract terms. So someone will say, what do you mean? I see a child, I see, an, I see a life. You have limbs and arms and legs, and they're going to cells. Where was all these limbs and arms and legs, the, the arms and the legs and the eyes and the ears? I'm not even getting into the breakdown. Where were they? You have no way to really explain it. All you can say is that, you can't just say it came from nowhere. I mean, yesh ma'ayin. There is a process. The answer is, even from a scientific point of view, even if you don't bring God to the picture, the answer is that what we know as reality is not the definition of reality. The problem we have is because we we so trapped by what we see, we think, so we start wondering how that exists. 
But maybe you start thinking about maybe existence is really much more real in those early stages. And what we're seeing is just a very, like I said, the tip of the iceberg. Our whole definition of numbers, of structure, of existence is a very limited one. That's the problem here. That's really the problem. That's why we're having difficulty with all this whole thing. But you see clearly, even on a purely, I use now Gashmis, I'm not even talking physical, spiritual. This is purely physical, that everything physical goes through a process that's not just a quant, it's not a quantitative difference. Like, you know, one became many. It's a quality, completely different echos. That seed is, is not like a, just a matter of, you know, the seed has like, like let's say I would take a, a, um, a thousand little stars and put them in a box and give it to you. And then you open the box, they all come out. That's just a matter of commerce. That's just, I took the ten, thousand and now you, you, you spread them out. It's not like that. It's not that the, all the details are there and they're just uh, like, you know, they're concentrated. It's a whole different type of reality. So the question is, so, so, so that's why I'm using the example. It's not a perfect example. Yeah. Correct. And there's also, like, like they say about dark matter, there's the dark matter is 95% of the universe that we don't even relate to. Uh, yeah, absolutely. The point here is, you know, I'm just using these examples. I think really the great challenge here is, is the whole reason we're learning this is not to make things difficult. It's to make things real. That the reality you know is not real. Well, let's put it this way. The reality you know is a minuscule is one little, little speck of real reality. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's why... But I'm saying, but it's one speck of reality. So if you want to really... Uh, let's put it this way. You want to have bitla hayesh and bitla mitzis and real aveda of breaking the Yetzirah, the first thing is you got to break your perception. And the perception is very limited. The perception of reality is very limited. I mean, look, how many people today, 7 billion people on this earth, talk about numbers... What are they going to be doing now? What are they doing now? They're rushing to work to make money. Right? Others are doing all kinds of other things. Every, what are they mostly involved in? From the point of view of you're looking here, they're on the, like, it's like clowns dancing on the, what do they call it, the tip of a needle. Right? It's like well, the whole existence is, and it's so preoccupied and thinks this is reality. So the first thing is to understand that when we talk about the structure, the number that we see here, the number, which is really means the structure, there's the Hagbalah of it, real Hagbalah. That's just not, not, and then there's the revelation. Of, you know, maybe I have another way to put it. Atzillus is revealing the artist's infinite, the, the infinite possibility, the, the one, the envisioning of the infinite possibilities into the one image. That's what the art, that's what Atzillus is. That's all that it is. Nothing else and nothing more. Nothing. If you want to talk about an art, I don't even think you can call it a piece of art in a certain way. You can call it, the, but, but you can definitely call it a complete picture of the, of the art. You know, that, you know, if you use the example when an artist envisions the exact piece of art that's going to, become, that's going to be on the canvas... Okay, you can call that a ten hidden spheres. But you could also call that a tzilis protis. It's just not on the canvas yet. That's what I would say is another example. In ten hidden spheres, 
tzatzils, the klolos, yeah, generally. But there, it's not, you can't even say that he's envisioning that particular thing. You could say he's envisioning a, uh, a much far more abstract form of it. I'm trying to think of an example. But tzatzils, you could say, is the whole image is there. Everything is there, the entire image is there. It's just not yet ink on canvas, which needs yesh, which needs... A, you're saying it's really Ak in a way because Ak is also I know, and Ak, you could even say it's Asphyr Sagnus in a way. That's why I'm looking for other examples. I don't, I, it's hard to find examples, human examples, because yeah. we don't go that far back. One second, let me just think. For the symptom, you can't find that example. Ak is after the symptom. You see, Ak is, is, is all of existence, and Atsilis is only the. Okay, then he finally says that and he gives the example in other words, there's two things that define Atzillus' Gvul. One we just said is the revelation of number. The number 10 has been has emerged. A conceptual number 10 has emerged, which is Das. Yes, it's actually Das, but its main, main Hagbala is the revelation of the 10 within the source. It's only a Gilead Helam. And then he says another aspect of Atsilis is Pulosim Elenu. Isn't this tying the not where you started the way, way, way in the beginning about Gilead Helam and Yeshmael? Absolutely, yeah, 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 yeah. I discussed this at length the last time I talked this class. Absolutely, that's exactly the point. Because the beginning of the whole Hemshech was the whole point is Atsilis is Gilead Helam and uh, not Yeshmael. Or the two different approaches to Gilead Helen. That was the whole. That's the whole point. That that Silas is all it is is a snapshot, or revelation of that which was before. It's not a new reality. I think the real um, question on the table is going. It's a good point. That I'm glad you brought it up because when we say Yesh Ma'ayin, remember there he said like this that Atzilus is Gilead Helen, and he spoke not only is it. Um, so he spoke not only the, that the, the Gilead Helam, that also the, uh, what the, what was the point there? The Gilead Helam, that also the Eiris have, that even though the Eiris, air energy has a tzir, has ten spheres, but it's rooted in the ten hidden spheres. And the Yesh Ma'ayim, we say, is compared to the Bligvul, the infinite possibilities. That's where it's a form of Yesh Ma'ayim, completely like new. Yeah, but the ten hidden spheres, but, 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 also creation uh, relatively speaking, yeah. Well, no, but the, but the, yeah. So, so what's that? So, if you remember, I explained then. I think this is also very relevant. We talk about what is the difference then between Yesh Ma'ayin and Gilead Everything comes from God. Everything, the Yesh and that with and the Gilead they all come from God. The difference is two things, two key things. One is one feels the divine all the time, and the other does not. That's one key difference. When something doesn't feel the divine, you can't call it Gilead Helen. Because it has now some type of entity of its own. It's some type of, of its own consciousness. That's one distinction. Atzil does not have its own consciousness. It's divine consciousness. It's divine consciousness of, of Gvul, of ten spheres and so on. But it's divine consciousness. In Biyah, you're already beginning to have a taste of a yesh of another consciousness. Something else. That's one key distinction. Another is the sense of inarech. 
In Atsilis, Atsilis senses its closeness. It senses a sense of closeness. Whereas a Yesh senses distance. It has to emerge through concealment. We discussed this at length. It can't emerge through revelation, it emerges through concealment. Which means, in the interface of things, if you recall, we just spoke about that, we have to have both a sense of closeness to the divine, we have to have a sense of awe and respect. Like Ave and Yira. So Atzilus is like the Ava part. It's like the sun. Biyah is like the servant. Sun has been. Right? So there's the part of this being like a child. A child has a closeness to his parent. A servant is just serving. So that's the difference between Atzilus and Biyah. Two key things. I mean, there are many other explanations given, but those are the two key things. So number one, there's a sense of a separate consciousness, which only is, is only possible in the Yesh. And then there's a sense of or, and therefore awe of God, and so on. So everything comes from God. You can call everything is Yashma'ayin. Even Eireh and Sof, even at Simpson, the highest levels is a form of Yashma'ayin, if you really want to break it down compared to. But, it's, but it doesn't have any substance of its own. So you can't really call it a Yesh. It has a sense of closeness to its source. It's completely bottled to its source. A Yesh does not have natural bitl. It itself it has consciousness. The worst form of consciousness is in this world, where we have complete separate consciousness. So in other words, I would say the difference is like this. Atsilus is a revelation of God's wanting ten spheres, but it doesn't have a separate consciousness. Chochmah does not have it. It's Chochmah of Elikus. Chochmah Atsilus is complete divine Chochmah. Teira, Bina, Chesed. As soon as it hits Biyah, because of the tzimtzum and so on, now Chochmah could have it start having its own agenda, so to speak. Um, now, what does it mean as own agenda? Obviously, in Biyah, there's no yet bechira. Real free will is only below. But nevertheless, it's, it has what we call consciousness. And as soon as it has consciousness, it has its own. It, it, it has its own presence. It feels its Chochmah. It's not iyu v'chayuichad, iyu v'gamuichad. You can't say it's one with its source. It has its own substance. Now remember, these are not worlds that are on their own everywhere. It's, it's the evolution of one of the Lakus as it comes into this world. Yeah, there is free but remember, the end of the day... Well, in Shema Beguf is the only place we... Get. The point I'm making here is that if you work your way backwards on this earth, we clearly have independent consciousness. Now the second thing he says, he says, is that the gvul of Atzilus <coughs> is only a gvul in what it transmits outside of itself. The example being like a, your hand can write an infinite amount of words. So the hand itself, the flow of writing of words is infinite. But it limits it from going outward, you can only write one word at a time. So this is what it says, it should be gvul. But Natsilis itself, it's not in a form of gvul. So what we have here is we have distinction has emerged, but that part of the gvul of Atsilis is there, distinction. Schalkus, like he says. But not substance, not uh, yeshus, not a sense of consciousness.
Another way, then he continues, he finishes this chapter by saying, it's like, that's why by numbers you have to count them with words. Like by Svirus Eimer. You can't just think one day of Eimer, two days. You have to say it in words. So here again, you have the three levels. Everything is one. It's like you would think it. Atzillus speaks it. Says, das. And then a biyah is not just speaking it, it's actually creating it. You actually start having substantial substance called numbers. So that would be another another difference between Machshava Dibra Maisa. You hear? Hmm? I, I, the ones mentioned here, I'm sure there's more um, to explain it all. I, I wouldn't say three. I'd say this is just an example. This is just a, this, the same. Uh, Machshava Dibur Maisa is also the same idea. Dibur is closer to Machshava, Maisa is farther. Maisa has its own independence. So that would be the, 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 the yeah. Yeah. Actually, that's, that is a good example. If you develop this further, yeah, absolutely. So, in other words, you'd say the ten hidden spheres is like Makshava. Sound of thought. That's not bad. So, Atsilus would then be the artist is articulating what the image is going to be like. He's saying it's going to be a sky, it's going to be a water, it's going to be a tree. Makshava is how it's in his thought. Atzilus would be how he's speaking it out. So now he's saying tree, forest, woods. So there is, so there's a gili of Gileahelim, the numbers being revealed, and then mice is when you actually go and you put it on a piece and you put it on the canvas, and that has real substance. Yeah, in this case Atzilus is deeper. No, he says that clearly here. Yeah, when he counts. Okay, good. That, that, that's another example. Clearly, look, remember this. It's going to take time to really fully understand all the levels. But clearly, what he's talking about here is how the word number, misper, sphere, evolves. From the most abstract state all the way to the most substantial state. So the most substantial we know very well. So that we don't have to meditate on. That's down here. Distinct, self, concrete, yeah, concrete, defined, and so on. The challenge is understanding how that, how, how it's rooted. So it's rooted all the way in the Kayak Shirasmi, Bukayak God's envisioning, wanting to have Gvul, but then how that Gvul emerges is through all these levels that he's talking about. If you recall, he spoke the three levels, Nukud the Kav Shatach. Remember Nukud the Kav Shatach, the point, the line, and the plane? It was a similar idea. Nukud was the way it's in the ten hidden spheres. Kav is... The Kav is, uh, is made up of points, but it's still relatively substanceless, shapeless. And then there's the Shatach, where it becomes an Atsilas, ten... ten, ten, ten Energies in ten containers. <clears throat> but clearly, just to tell you, this is definitely trying to dissect the seed and understand how in the seed level will emerge 
the distinctions that we are familiar with. That's the bottom line. That's why this is so complicated. Because you're trying to go, you're going into the seed and trying to understand how how a seed becomes uh, a reality like ours. How a. Yeah. So let's continue. Pay 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 Dalit. Eighty four. Pay 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 Page 160. This is extremely thorough what's going to come next in the idea of numbers. He's basically going to cover every aspect of numbers that exists in Kabbalah and Chassidus. So the Erech called Misparayomim. Misparayom means the number of days. Kosov, this is what he writes. Pidush HaRashbi, all of Ashal. Rashbi, Betevus Ki. Betikunim, maybe. Maybe you're right. Not, I thought Tevas. Right, right. That the Rajbi explains in Tikunim, just Tikunizer, Ki Amalchus Nikrim Misper. The Amalchus is called Misper. Okay, so now we're introducing a new level of number. Till now we're talking about Silas and Biya, now suddenly Malchus is the called number. Fatam, this is all the language of the Pardis. And the reason? Because Malchus is the number. Cheshben is the total. A number of the higher days. Upirish. Because the higher days. Remember are Zah. Usually Zah. So Malchus reveals Chesed Gvur to Feres Netzach Yisrael. These higher days, meaning these higher revelations, are revealed through this midah called Malchus. Like 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 an accounting, like a total that gives you the Hagbolas Hadover, that gives you the defined sum, sum. Hanimna that has been counted umitzad hagvul va'cheshbem isgalah. And because of this gvul, because of this defined, this finite and sum or total, it gets revealed. So let's briefly, what does this mean? He's going to explain, obviously. Basically saying that in Atzillus itself, the Yomim el are not really yet defined in a, in, a, in a finite number or finite sum. And Malchus is the one that actually gives that total. Think of Malchus as being the sum total that uh, that defines the structure of the Yom Emelianim. Vahainu, now the words are a little abstract, so he says, Vahainu, this is now the Rebbe Rashab, Vahainu, Gamkein Kanal, 
This is also what we said earlier. Sham mispid why is galus mal? That's what he's saying here. Because what's he saying? He's not saying Malchus creates something new. He's saying Malchus is Megala, the total of something that was there before. In other words, think of it like this. Zah, or the Yom Malyanim, is a forces, forces of energy that have not yet been measured. Malchus measures them and gives you what they what their what their uh, what their what their value is. It's similar to when a scientist, let's say, is trying to measure the intensity or any other volume or intensity of any particular uh, form of energy. So it's there. Or you, let's say you take your temperature, you stick a thermometer in, and you take temperature. The temperature is there before, but you didn't know what it was. Now you know. Or the alcohol level in the blood. <laughs> it's there, but no one knows how much is there. How much is water and how much is alcohol? Huh? Yeah. Okay, so you see here again how this is so uh, abstract in a way. So Atsilus, if you remember, he said before Atsilus, let's go back. Atsilus, what does Atsilus do? It reveals the number of the ten spheres that were hidden within. So ten spheres is just a form of energy. Now he's going. Now he's going to speak how how Malchus is next level. But I'm saying in the previous chapter was just Atsilus reveals that number, and Bia it actually becomes a substance. This is definitely abstract stuff. Okay. It needs many explanations, examples, but let's continue here. So this is the same idea that he said before. That means the number is there already concealed. And the number just reveals it. Remember, this is very critical, if you recall, the interface. Because once you say, why is it so necessary to emphasize that uh, that number is there before and it's revealed. Who really cares? Even if it's true. The reason that's so important is because you're trying to establish an interface that the structure of existence, which is all defined by measure, by midir gvul, by, by numbers, is rooted all the way in the source. That's the key thing here. But the key difference is what's rooted is not the yeshes, not our consciousness, but the actual structure of existence is rooted. So our job, and so speaking from an Avaida point of view, is if you're able to strip yourself from your own perception and your own uh, self-interest and self... Uh, uh, what's the word I want to use? Self-consciousness. And just connect to the source, it would not annihilate existence. Because one can make the argument... That if you want to connect to the source, you have to eliminate the whole world of numbers and the whole structure of existence. What is really coming to establish here, if you think about it, is no, what you have to eliminate is your selfish part of it. But not the structure itself is not what defines self. Biyah adds the sense of self. Atsilus 
reveals that the structure is a divine structure. So essentially there's two elements to the structure. One is that we think that it's all powerful because it's so that, that's the biyah part, that's the yesh part. And there's another part to it that it's uh, exactly the way it's meant to be. That's one way to look at it. I don't know if Rabbi Akiva is the right example, but uh, I would say when Mashiach comes, we say... Yeah, in that sense, but I wouldn't use that really here. That's a different... Fine, if it works for you. Um, I would say... That when we say La'asid Lave, Mashiach comes, Mala Arad's Deus Hashem Kamayim Le'yam the world will be filled with divine knowledge as the waters cover the sea. So, what's this example as the waters cover the sea? What is the point of that example? So, there are many points to it. But one key point the Rebbe makes in one of the Siyumim and the Rambam is if you look under, the, if, you t- if you cleared all the water out, you drained all the seas, you wouldn't have just barren land. You'd have a world that's as complex. And as distinct as earth, as land, as dry land. So you have mountains, you have valleys, you have all the animals there. More animals in the sea than on land. Everything that's on land is in the sea, not the other way around. Yeah, everything. But the only difference is there, it's not the the distinctions are there. But they're all aware of the higher consciousness. So it's not annihilating the structure of existence. In a way, that's Atzillus. Atzillus, there's structure. But the structure is only because God wants it to be structure. On land, you can forget that there's water and that there's a source. So all you have is the structure and therefore you worship it. In other words, the structure of existence can be seen in two ways. As being, is it a divine structure? Or is it a structure like my structure? And once in a while I let God in. If at all. That's the key difference. So the point being here is structure is absolutely ten hidden spheres. There's a structure. Atsilis reveals the structure. But Atsilis is completely consumed. It's a divine structure. That's all Atsilis knows. It's revealing that that's the divine structure. And in Biyah and lower to our worlds, the structure becomes an entity of its own. Because it's not aware of Mashiach comes, Malar's Deus Hashem. The world will be filled with divine knowledge as the waters cover the sea. That the sea, the, the, the structure of existence will be there, but it'll be completely covered by the waters of the Mea Dasa Toir, Deus Hashem, or higher, because it's going to be the transformation of Tachtenim. It's going to be higher than Atzilus, much higher. Because it's, it, it's, it has also the mile of Atmos and Yesh and the Dirvetachtene. That's, but as far as consciousness goes, yes. It, well, first of all, back to Atzilus and then beyond. And then there's Teldus Peretz. It's even more. I mean, first we go back to the Ganedim Ikadim. To how it was before the Chetit Sadaz, then you go higher than that. That's the way it works, yeah. Okay, so here it goes like this. So that's the point that says only this Nevertheless, even though the number all is reveal only all it is is revealing the divine structure, the the number that was there that was concealed, but before you count it, you don't yet have a number. 
Shabbat Ba'agbalah V'Yishalkas. Why? Because number is Ha'agbalah Sadover. Is focusing on the distinctions of the matter. Of the object. That comes in Ha'agbalah V'Yishalkas. That comes in a defined and a distinct state. And through this it becomes a number. Why else would you count it? And before you count it, even though it's a number, a concealed number, it's still not in a state of defined and distinct state yet. And this is the meaning what he says in the Pardis. The Malchus is called the number of days. The supernal days is referring, referring to the Midas al the supernal emotions, the supernal Midas called Yemei Elam. They're called the days of the world. With that, we're talking about Chesed through Yisod. Even though they too are in a state of a number, because they're Shisha Midas. They're six Midas. They're the root of the transmission to the 6,000 years, the 6,000 millennia. The 6 millennia, rather. 6,000 years. So in other words, they are distinct 6. Nevertheless, they are in a state that's higher than defined and distinct. Yet. And in Malchus, they come in a state of definition and distinction. Because there, because through this, it comes out in a revealed way. In other words, there it's not revealed, the number part is not revealed, even though they have a number. That's why there in Malchus is the primary place of Misper, of number. Well, it doesn't say that. In parentheses, he adds, just like in time, its primary state is Malchus. Shazman Ikri be Malchus. The primary place, primary Shazman Ikri, time is primarily in Malchus. Melech 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 Yimlech. You speak about past, present, and future. Melech 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 Yimlech Melech. He did rule. He rules Yimlech, and he will rule. Obezor Akseides Manim. And in Zor is only the order of time. Like it says elsewhere. You're familiar with Seydiz Manim and Zman. Seydiz Manim is similar to what I spoke before about the concept of number and the number. Seydiz Manim means that there's the order of time. That comes first. Then there's the actual manifestation of time. Past, present, and future. So in Zah, he's saying, in the Midas, is basically a state of like Seydiz Manim. That's what he's saying. It's like the concept of time, not time itself, concept of time. In the order of things, first came a concept of time, then came time. Say this manim is like Kdimovi uh, Ichur, the idea of past and present, but it's not yet what we call Conceptual time instead of time, actual time. Time as we know it is present, past, and future. Today, tomorrow, yesterday. How, how does that work, Lamaila? There's no te- yesterday, tomorrow, future. What part? It's only in a when you really have uh, 
It will start in Malchus. And then it becomes more intense. More. Well, Chassid says like this Mokim Lamaila. You understand? Mokim Lamaila. Remember, again, we're talking, you're talking about our reality does not relate to abstract time and space. We understand physical time and space, concrete time and space. Concrete time and space is the following. This is 644 Eastern Parkway. You live where you live. It takes time to walk there. One space is distinct from another. You're sitting in your chair, I'm sitting in my chair. That we understand very well. Time, whatever, now it's 10 o'clock, that will be 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. All the different distinctions of time. Clear? That's clear. Now let's go back. Let's go back to the seed. Where did this come from? So Chassidus explains that Mokim, let's start with Mokim, it's a little easier. Mokim is Mokim Ruchni, is Maila Amata. Right? It's not a, uh, not physical, it's conceptual. You say something is higher and lower. Remember we talked before about um, about spheres, right? So when you go up to the second floor, that's higher. You come down the steps, is lower. What's higher and lower in Ruchnis? It's a chachm is higher than bina. Okay, so it's ma'ila mat. It's like the Rambam. The Rambam says it's ma'ila in echus, ma'ila in you know from the form of ma'ila. Yeah, chachm gadol can be shorter than a, a greater wise person can be shorter than a wise, but you'll say he's taller, he's greater. What about Zman? So Zman says it's Kedim of Ichur. That's precedent. What comes first? The hierarchy. Not that Chachm is only higher qualitatively than Bina.
what happened. I don't even know where this ended died. Huh? Just happened? Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bottom line is that every, everywhere you look in nature, everywhere you look in nature, you find that um, you find this examples of of process. You find examples of that a finite structure is not self self contained. We're not self contained. We evolved from states that were far more less concrete to the point of. Like to the point of realizing that there's something beyond. If you look, scientists are looking for the Big Bang. They want to know what exactly it was like when the Big Bang happened. So they're trying to go back by accelerating particles. They're trying to go back to that first moment to recreate what it would have been like. Because they understand, and everyone knows the mystery, they understand that that helps us understand where we are today. The point is that numbers, time, space, everything is rooted in more subtle forms. That's really what he's coming down to say. So that's what Sfida is so far number. I think we'll stop here, but I will just give one introduction before we we'll continue tomorrow. He's now going to explain all this. He's now going to explain all this based on um, uh, a Siddur from the Mitla Rebbe, on, uh, which I had the opportunity to learn over Sukkot at length. It's not simple stuff. So in the Siddur, right, so he says, V'yuvin zel pi mashukazer b'siddur b'pirus zecherav tufcha in Ashrei. So, Yabiu, um, so he's going to explain in the Siddur, and that's what he's going to continue now, to explain this idea of how numbers evolve and live in levels he's going to explain it all based on a city tomorrow um, so we did the beginning of chapter 84 page 160 and we shall stop here <laughs>